0: Man, Thank you, Daniel. appreciate that song tonight. Let's take our Bibles, please. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Tonight, we're going to look at uh, Manifold Blessings. John chapter 6. You know, Daniel, I was thinking... While we were coming up on your song, I wasn't here to hear you practice, and so I was thinking you ought to sing The Lighthouse or The Haven of Rest. That would fit perfectly in our service, but I guess the Holy Spirit already talked to you before he talked to me, so praise the Lord. Thank you for that song. I appreciate that. It's a good one. John chapter 6 tonight, John chapter 6, we're going to look at the feeding of the 5,000. We'll read the scripture together, all 14 verses, verses 1 through 14. And then we're going to look at the manifold blessings of God. You know, we are blessed people. And I think a lot of times we take it for granted. And I know I do. There's times where I uh, have all these things going on in my life and all I see is the negative rather than the blessings in the hand of God. And we need to pause and give him thanks for those things. And so we're going to look at the manifold blessings tonight. Let's read together John chapter 6 and verse 1. after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. (coughs) Excuse me. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall ye buy bread, that they may eat, that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men... When they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet, that should come into the world. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Lord, I need your help. I pray that the Spirit of God would fill me. And for the next few moments, would you allow us to hear something from your word that would encourage our hearts and help us tonight and remind us who Jesus is and why we should be thankful. So bless us tonight, Lord, beyond all measure, Lord, as we glean from your word. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's a lot of different ways you could approach this passage of Scripture. We could look at it just verse by verse, and we could pull apart the miracle of God, or we could look at the little boy who gave his lunch, and other passages of Scripture, all four Gospels, contain this great miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, and many have focused on the little boy who gave his lunch. And we could look at that perspective, but I want to look at a little different perspective, if you will, tonight. And, you know, we've we just come through 2020, and for some reason I woke up on Friday morning, and we still had a pandemic. We still had COVID-19. So many people are saying, I'm glad 2020 is over. I can't wait for this year to be completed. But it, God is not bound by our time. And God is not bound by our schedules or our, the things that we plan. We've canceled a lot of things, both personally and in church. And, and uh, God knew all that was going to happen. It was all in his hands and all in his control. But I think what we have done in, in a lot of ways is we have become in a place of pity and self-despair. A lot of people are tired of... What is going on? Many people are fearful, so they're not leaving their homes and they're not getting the fellowship that they need and the help that they need. Some have let their spiritual walk fall a little bit because they're not in church and they're not being encouraged and they're not being helped, and, and perhaps uh, they don't have Wi Fi or they can't tune into an online service. And, and, and listen, I'll say what I said this morning, I'll say it again tonight. We are responsible for our walk with God. You still have a Bible. And you still have that time where you can get into the Word of God. As a matter of fact, you have more time now, perhaps, than ever before to read the Bible and to listen to good music and encourage your hearts and encourage yourself in the Lord. That's what King David had to do when he was separated from his men and hiding in caves. The Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. We look at a lot of negative things. I kind of chuckled a little bit as we sang that one song in times like these because that's all we've been talking about lately is What times we live in and and unprecedented times. And we we see every every news article starts with that phrase, doesn't it? In these unprecedented times. And we've been very negative about it all. But can I tell you this? That God has blessed throughout 2020. God's hand has been all over your life. Whether we choose to acknowledge it or not, that is part of our character. And what makes us uh, faithful children of God. But God has blessed us. I, I was just saying to my wife the other day, I, I was reading this passage about a week ago, and I, and I mentioned that very last, uh, or sorry, verse uh, uh, 12, it says, when they were filled, he said, unto the disciples gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments. So if I, I, said, I said, when I read, read verse 13, where they, they went around and they gathered all that remained, there was 12 baskets, I said they were just overflowing. A moment earlier, or however long it was, Philip said, We don't have anything but 200 pennies. How much is 200 penny worth of bread going to get us? Another said, All we have is this little lad's lunch, and it's five loaves and two fishes. And how, how much is that? And when it was all done, Jesus said, No, no, we have 12 baskets, we have more than you need. And I said to my wife, I said, that verse just jumped out of me and grabbed my heart, and I realized how good God has been. If you had told me five years ago that, that we were going to have to replace a vehicle this year, and we were going to have to pay for a wedding this year, and all those things that come with your kids growing up, I, I said, uh, we, we, I, I would have never believed you. We've had to take an emergency trip to Texas, and buying tickets at the last minute isn't as cheap as planning ahead, and, and all the things that God has done for us in the last couple years, I said, I would have never believed that we were able to accomplish accomplish. those things, but God is faithful, and God has blessed us, and to him be all the glory, because we can't figure out how it happens, but God meets all of our needs. You know the Bible says this, that God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So I want you to look at this passage tonight with those eyes tonight about the blessings of God. I want you to, first of all, we'll just quickly recount the miracle, a recounting of his miracle. That's our first point tonight. I just want to tell you again how the story unfolds. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ came across the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. It's interesting how uh, if if you got to see the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias, and some of us have been to Israel, it's it's very different than what you would think of as a sea. It is fresh water. It's not salt water. If you go south in Israel, you'll come to the Dead Sea, and it is the saltiest water on the place of the earth. But at the top of the Jordan River, the headwaters, is the Sea of Galilee. And there it's fresh water. When you think of a sea or an ocean, you think of something that is as large you can't even see across it. I remember taking guests that have come to our church and down to Lake Erie and and showing them the water. We'll go for fish dinner and we'll show them the great lakes and that's kind of what we have around here. And uh, they'll get there and they'll say, this is like the ocean. You can't see across it. And you look to the left, you look to the right, and as far as you can see, there's water. They said, any lake we've ever been to, you can see across it. The Sea of Galilee is like that. It's just a few miles across. You can see all the way across in any direction from any place you are. It sits in a valley. Jerusalem is a very mountainous area. And all the cities are all around that waterfront. And you can see in any direction. But the Bible says Jesus came across that sea. And many people followed him. How would they follow him across the sea? They would just walk around it. It's not as big as you think it is. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, it's also called Lake... Gennesaret so that kind of puts it back into our minds what it really looks like and these people began to follow and and perhaps some came from over here in the in the in the west from Capernaum and others came over here from Nazareth and they 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 saw that ship going across the sea and they had heard that Jesus was upon it so they gathered and Jesus went up a mountain and on that hillside he turned and the bible says he saw all the people and he said to his disciples, how are we going to feed them? And Philip said, well, 200 penny worth of bread, and that's all we have in the treasury It's 200 pennies. How is 200 penny worth of bread going to help? We would find out later there was 5,000 just men. Then there was women and children, I'm sure. The Bible says that a little boy gave his lunch, and the Lord Jesus Christ blessed that meal, and then they opened their eyes. I assume they opened their eyes. I don't know. But when they finished praying, Jesus distributed the food and everybody sat down. And the Bible says they ate until they were full. Not in the book of John, but in the book of Luke. The book of John simply says when they had eaten. Jesus said to them, go and gather together all the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. And so they gathered them together and they filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves. That's the recounting of the miracle. It's no small feat that the Lord Jesus Christ was able to take something so small and we could simply it'd be a whole nother message but we could draw a principle from that can't we? We give the Lord what we have and ask him to bless it and take it and use it for his glory. I, I've seen a lot of people over the years say God I've got just a small talent and they give it to the Lord. One of my favorite singers and songwriters is a, a fellow that, that will tell you, and he's, he's very successful. He's written hundreds of songs. We, we have sang his songs in church and in our choir, and, and he's uh, it, just a great talent as far as I'm concerned. I, I enjoy his voice. I think he's a great singer. And he, he says this often. I've heard him say, I just felt like I wasn't talented enough to be a singer. So I just gave what I had to the Lord. And ask him to bless it. And I would dare say that he's probably one of the greatest blessings in gospel music today. Written songs, hundreds of songs for churches. And encourages people nationwide. We can take what we have and give it to the Lord. And let the Lord bless it. That's the recounting of the miracle. But I want you to see tonight also number two, a reminder of his mercy. A reminder of his mercy. Now go back to verse Two, the Lord Jesus Christ is crossing the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him. A great multitude followed him. Because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. They wanted something from Jesus. They desired to be healed. I don't know how many people there were sick in that crowd, but that's why they followed him. I would guess that of the five thousand, there was a lot of dads that were taking sick children with them. Maybe they were not diseased, but their children were. Maybe there was dads that were taking their wives. Maybe there's some moms taking their children. Maybe there's somebody taking a brother, a sister, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, somebody. And so, some were healthy, but many were diseased that were coming and following the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 3, he says, And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? I want you to notice, first of all, when we're thinking about his mercy tonight, they had his attention. I just, I just stopped and thought about that a little bit. They had his attention. This multitude of people was coming, and Jesus had climbed a mountain and he sat on the side of the hill with his disciples. and He begins to see people coming. Multitudes of people. The Bible says over 5,000 people. They begin to make their way towards him, and you say, Well, how could he miss that? Listen, to give somebody your attention is not just about seeing them, it's about noticing them. There's a difference. Everywhere Jesus went, he saw masses of people. The Bible says there was times where he stood on hills over Jerusalem, and he wept and he prayed, and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. He saw that people were scattered as sheep without having a shepherd. Everywhere he went, he saw people. I remember Brother Lake preaching a message here one time and talking about the fellow that was laying by the, the, the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus, understand this, the pool of Bethesda had lots of people laying around. Jesus had to walk through a crowd of crippled and lame and blind to get to that one that he would minister to that day. Think about that. That man had an appointment with Jesus. There were others, but Jesus saw the one. But this time the multitude had his attention. He cared not just for one. There wasn't one in that crowd that he pointed out and said, who's that little boy or who's that little girl that's limping? Who's that one that's being led because he's blind? Who's that one that looks like he has leprosy? No, Jesus didn't focus on anyone. They all had his attention. I just want to say to you tonight, there's enough mercy to go around. They had his attention. He noticed the number. Jesus never backed down from a task because it was too big. He noticed there was a multitude. He noticed the number. The Bible says when Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw what? A great company. He didn't look and say, well, I can help a few of these people. He said, I see a great company. And Jesus never, I don't know, but what would you do? He said, man, this is just getting too big for me. I think I'm going to have to call for some help. I'm going to have to look somewhere else for some strength. I'm going to have to take some, some time away. Maybe I can just escape out a back door somewhere. But Jesus never shied away. Think about this. He was God. Yet as part of his solution, he prayed. Verse 11 says, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they could he noticed the numbers and so he prayed he gave thanks recognizing that god had already supplied for the need you know no no task is too big when we take it to the lord it's a reminder of his mercy that he takes care of us and that we have his attention not only did he notice the number he noticed the need why did these people come to jesus I've got eight people in here that can answer me. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure in it on you eight or however there's two, there's five, there's, six, there's seven in here. Why did the people come to Jesus, Gerald? But what's the Bible say? They were diseased. They knew he could heal diseases. And you're right. Probably some thought, well, maybe he can help me in other ways too, financially. I'm broke. I'm poor. I'm, I need something, to, whatever it is. But the Bible says they came unto him because they were diseased. They followed him because they knew he had power over disease. But he noticed their real need when they came, he said. What are we going to give them that these may eat? Isn't that something? It wasn't the greatest need that they had, was it? Would you, would you agree with that? It wasn't the greatest need that they had. I, you know, if I had a little son with me or a little daughter with me that was crippled, I'd say, I'm not worried about eating right now, Lord. If I was dying of some disease, I would say, I just need a touch. I don't really, I'm not worried about a hamburger. But Jesus cared about their smallest needs. Think about that. Sometimes we, we concern ourselves about the big things, and God says, Here's what I need you to pray. Give me this day my daily bread. Take care of me day by day. I would suggest to you tonight that when we learn to Pray to God for those little things. God takes care of the big things anyway. Just learn to how to trust him on a daily basis. So God saw the numbers, but he saw their need. He, he knew they were hungry, and he had compassion upon their physical needs as well as their spiritual. He had their, they had their, his attention. Well, we're talking about a reminder of his mercy. They had his attention, but I want you to notice, secondly, he was moved to action. He was moved to action. I thought about this, and I wrote this down today. Compassion is only sympathy if it is not followed by action. Let me say that again. Let us sink in. Compassion is only sympathy if it is not followed by action. In other words, don't, don't tell me you have compassion for somebody if you're not doing anything. That's only Sympathy you feel sorry for them. But until you put your hand in your pocket or until you prepare a meal for them, until you go visit them in their sickness and their ailments, until you reach out to them in some way, it is not compassion, it's sympathy. And you know, the honest thing is, a lot of people don't want our pity. They need our help. There's a lost and dying world, and we talk about that a lot, and we say there's people that are dying and going to hell, they don't need us to talk about it in these walls. They need us to take them the gospel. All we have is sympathy and not compassion. We must do more. Jesus was moved to action. Verse 10 says, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, a number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. He did something about it. Jesus said, who are these people? And they look hungry. It's dinner time. How The Bible tells us in the book of Luke and in the book of Mark that, that it was nearing the end of the day and it was getting to be dinner time. And these people, think about it, he had crossed the sea. They had walked a long way. They had followed him a long, long way, miles. Jesus knew they were tired and they were hungry. But he didn't just say they're there and pat them on the back and send them home. By the way, if you read another passage, you'll find that's the disciples' answer to the problem. Let's send them away into their own cities that they might find victuals to eat. Jesus said, no, no, no. I'll feed them. He already asked the question, the Bible says, knowing what he would do. In verse six, he knew what he would do. He was moved to action. Let me ask you, when you see a need, Are you moved with compassion or do you just have sympathy? Are we moved to compassion in the hour of another's need? I've been praying for quite some time about a theme for 2021. We came through such a strange year, haven't we? And honestly, and and I don't want to complain about all the negatives like I just preached against, but uh, it was a different year. It was a challenging year, and and, uh, I had a theme starting the year, and that all got blown up because we went on to an online ministry, and it just seemed like, how do we promote this theme, this life in action, when we're online? And it was very difficult for those few months, and then when we got back, we were scrambling to restructure our services. No Sunday school, no buses, nothing. But... I've been just kind of praying. I just kind of nailed it down the last couple days. Our theme for this year is going to be be the church. Be the church. Do you know that this world right now, more than ever, needs us to be the church? They need us to be compassionate, not just sympathetic. They need us to be not just talking about the gospel, but preaching the gospel. They need us not to just say it's important that we order tracks and have tracks in our track rack, but to be actually taking them out and handing them to people. The sick of our church need us not just to pray for them, but also to take them meals and to encourage them and help them. We need to be the church, and that's what Jesus did here. He, he was the church in action. He, he put to action that which he saw, and so they had his attention, but he was moved to action. His sympathy turned to Compassion. It was a reminder of his mercy. But I want to say this tonight, and, and, and I want you to think about this. It was a reflection of his manifold blessings. A reflection of his manifold blessings. Look at verse 12. When they were filled, by the way, Jesus let them eat till they were full. He, he didn't just... Isn't it something when Jesus does something, it's not halfway it's not just, well, here's just a, you know, Calvin was here to re- record the morning service, and, and I don't know if he didn't have, man, I don't know if he didn't give him dinner last night or what it was. I don't know what it was. But he saw Rob chewing. Rob had been working all day, and he, so he had a granola bar, or a kind bar, I guess they're called a granola bar. And instant jealousy flashed over Calvin. You got food! That's Calvin's thing, right? Food. He loves food. He's just a foodie. That's what he is. And Rob says, "Calm down, it's just a granola bar." It's food. And he said it about 3 times. It's just like, "It's food." I don't know if even Jesus could fill Calvin up. <laughs> but you know sometimes we do that. Don't we? We grab a kind bar. We're in a hurry. He'd been working all day. We do that here on Sundays. We all we come here early in the morning, seven fifteen or something. We start practicing, and then we have eight thirty service. And then we all that are on the on the worship team retreat to my office, and we eat kind bars. That's what we do. And we're just trying to hold off that hunger for a little while. Jesus wasn't just holding them over. The Bible says they ate till they're filled. And he said, well, "What's your point? I'm just trying to get you to think about the manifold blessings of God here. This isn't just a halfway savior." This is a God who loves and cares about these people and he filled them right to their fault. And if they went home hungry, it was their own fault because there was 12 baskets left over. The Bible says in verse 13, Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Notice those 12 baskets that were left. When God blesses, he gives more than we could ever need. Now think about Those things that you've held in your hands over your life. Those things that you have wrought for yourself. Those things that you have worked for and earned and thought, boy, if I could just get that car, or if I could just get that job, or if I could just do those things in my strength, and I'm a self-made man, those things crumble pretty quickly, don't they? Well, think about the things that God has given you. Count the blessings that God has put into your life. I'm looking down here and I think Ronan would probably be the one that you would say is the biggest blessing. That's something that God has given you. We think of our children that God has blessed us with. Those things which we have not wrought for ourselves. I'm going to tell you a lot of the things that we have done, they rust, they crumble, they fall apart. But the things that God gives us, he gives us to bountifully and we have manifold blessings of God. When I read that passage, I thought, boy, that's me. I'm the guy that got the 12 baskets. He said, you mean you got the leftovers God gives? No, not at all. I mean that God had so much that he gave me 12 extra baskets. That's how I often feel. Let me put it this way. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 talks about tithing. But I want you to see what happens when we're obedient to God. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Can I encourage you to do this? Before we go any further into 2021, what is today, January 3rd? Yeah, I mean, it's still fresh in your mind. If I were to say, can you give me a list of bad things that happened in 2021, you can name off 10 just like that, couldn't you? Just, I mean, one right after another. Let me say this. Can you name 10 blessings God gave you? Would you take the time to do that? We sing that song, Count Your Many Blessings. Listen, if God cannot bless during a pandemic, he's not God. If he cannot overpower all the things that are going on in our society today, if God cannot meet your needs, listen, if the Bible is not true, that God shall supply all your needs according to riches and glory, except in 2020, except when there's a pandemic, except when the church is locked down, that's not what the Bible says. He's still God. And he can still bless you. And he can still take care of all your needs. Start counting your blessings. Start realizing that, hey, you know what? 2020 was a tough year for some people, but God was still God. I've heard some people say, you know, Pastor, in 2020, I got to read a whole lot more of my Bible than I got to in any other year because I had time. I got to spend more time with my family. I've I've got to do some things that that, that have helped me spiritually that I've never got to do before. We see, we, we often count our losses, but what about our gains? What about the things that God has given us? Notice verse 14, what the Bible says. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, say, This is of a truth, that prophet, that should come into the world. I want to suggest something to you tonight. Jesus had already healed many people of their diseases. The Bible says that's why these people walked around the lake to see him. They they saw what he had did on them that were diseased. The miracles. They had already seen him cure leprosy and heal blinded eyes and cause people to walk and... All these things that Jesus did, and what was it that convinced them finally that he is the Messiah, the prophet that should come into the world? It was his compassion. That's what convinced them, it was his care for their need. I've said this before it is never wrong to be kind. I remember one time years ago, was, I think the first time I ever thought about that, a lady called me, and she had gone to pick somebody up for church in downtown Hamilton, right down in the core of Hamilton. And so she pulled over, and when she pulled over, a young man from Kenya jumped in her car. Moses was his name. And he had, I won't say by coincidence, by the by the sovereignty of God, he had called some church and said, I'd like to come to church. Is there a bus or do you have a, somebody that lives here could pick me up? And They said, sure, we'll send somebody. And when, when our lady pulled up to pick somebody else up, he thought it was his ride. It was in front of his building. So he jumped in the car and he said, huh? and she says, who are you? It kind of startled her. This young man jumped in her car. and He says, oh, I thought you were my ride to church. I'm sorry. She said, well, I am going to church if you'd like to go. And he said, Sure. And now he's a deacon at Faith Baptist Church. He was a marathon runner from Kenya, super fella, Moses Cheserek. When I say he was a marathon runner, I don't mean as a hobby. I mean he won marathons around the world. And that's how he took care of his family until he was about 31 years old. He won in Barbados. He won the Buffalo Niagara Marathon and won a lot of money doing that. And that's how he supplied for his family. God blessed him with that. Well, he had come here as a refugee. His brother was a politician in Kenya, and and, uh, there was some political strife, and he had to get out of the country, and he came to Canada as a refugee and uh, had to leave his family behind, his wife and at the time three children. And so he was all alone. And this lady was an elderly lady in our church, and she started picking him up every week, and he started coming every week to church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And after about two months, she called me. She said, Pastor, she says, would it be wrong if I took him in? She says, he's just a young man in his 20s at the time. She says, I'm an old lady. I don't think anybody would talk, would they? And she says, but I just feel so bad. He looks so sad when I drop him off. He has no fellowship. And if you were at my house, I could help maybe get his family over here and, and, and do some things for him. And I said, let me pray about it. And the only thing that came to my heart for the answer was, it's never wrong to be kind. So I called her back and I said, this is what the Lord told me. It's never wrong to be kind. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, Brother Judge said this in his Sunday school lesson this morning. Be kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. People don't care how much you know, they want to know how much you care. Notice verse 14. Those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, this act of compassion in feeding the 5,000, said, This is of a truth, that prophet. You see, what happened here? They gave glory to Jesus. Because he had compassion. This wasn't wasn't just a miracle to show off power, to point. This was a miracle of taking care of the smallest needs of people. Jesus was compassionate. Listen, I was talking to Brother Boyd Stansford last night. We were texting back and forth. And he said, My theme this year is blessed. He says, But not the idea that we are. Just blessed from God alone. That's the first part. But the second part is that we are blessed to be a blessing. That God has done so much for us that we should do for others. That we should pass on the blessings of God. That we should be an encouragement and a help to others. But friends, the first step is we must look at what God has done for us. These men looked around and said, Wow, what a great God! This is the prophet, this is the Messiah, this is Him. He's not just about power. He's about compassion. I want you to listen to a song as we close tonight. The Clark sang it here at our church just a few years ago. Look what God has done for you.
1: But uh, the Lord is good. How many of you say God's done great things for us? David said that in his word The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. And uh, 85 years here, the Lord's given this church what a history. Can I say this to you? Don't make the mistake of staring at the problems in your life and missing the blessings in your life. We can do that, and, and I do that at times. How many of you worry a little bit? Anybody have a problem with that a little bit? Just me, all right? Just our crew, all right? But uh, no, sometimes, you know, you hear about the squeaky wheel, you know, get, get, gets the oil, and, and sometimes the Bible says this, count your blessings, name them one by one, and I know we all have problems, and we do, and thank God we can take our problems to God, but thank the Lord for all of those blessings in your life. All of us ought to look at what God has done for us. You with his love. Through trials and through blessings, he's been faithful and true. Look what God has done. Through. he's done what no other can do look what
0: grass to warm up your winter let's bow our heads and close our eyes right where we are that's the challenge tonight look what God has done for you we can dwell on the past and we can dwell on all those negative things that happened in 2020 or we can count our blessings and realize how good God has really been through it all you know think about it I think most of that are watching tonight can say you know every night I had food on my table had a roof over my head my heat's still on tonight in this cold winter. God has been good. Some gas in my car. and I know some of you probably missed work. Some had a few smaller paychecks. I get that. I'm not trying to discount your suffering. I'm just saying God is able to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Let's just give him thanks tonight. Why don't you take a moment? I'm just gonna let the piano play for a couple minutes. And while, while he plays, would you just count off 10 things? Just, that's your homework for tonight. Ten things that God did for you in 2020 and give him thanks for it. And maybe some tonight and say, you know what, Pastor, I just need to learn to be more thankful. God did so much for me and I just haven't. Why don't you ask God to help you? Why don't you commit that in 2021 you're going to be more thankful for God's blessings in your life? You know, I believe that often, humanly speaking, I'm more apt to give blessings or a gift to somebody if I know they're appreciative. Maybe if we're just thanking God for more of what he does, maybe he'd bless us even more. Let's just have a quiet time. We'll let the piano play for a moment. You go to the God in prayer.